somehow this got labeled as a talk for medical students. Um, it's a talk for all students. Uh, so I don't know why I got labeled medical students, but anyway. So if you're not a medical student, that's all right. You should be here too. Um, I went uh, to Kenya as a medical student, fourth-year medical student. I was scared to death. I just thought, man, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do for people. Um, and they put me in charge of the men's medical and surgical ward, and they were really short of staff, and they said, uh, you're to take care of this ward. If you have questions, find us. Uh, okay, you mean I'm supposed to know if somebody needs, uh, has, needs an abdominal surgery or something? And, you know, fortunately, um, there were some good staff members there, but they just couldn't make rounds, so I had to make rounds. Got to the first bed, and there was a guy named uh, Rop Rono sitting in the bed. He had cut off most of his heel on a motorcycle accident with a chain. Um, and I thought, well, I have not seen anything like this back uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I went to school. And um, so I looked at his foot and shook his hand and thought, you know, it looks like it's healing. I don't know how a, a, a foot is supposed to look like that's been mostly cut off by a chain of the motorcycle. Um, but it looks pretty good. And so uh, he said, here, I've got a drink for you. And I thought, what is this? It was in a gourd. He said it's called Morsik, M-U-R-S-I-K, um, Morsik. And uh, he said, um, this is milk we put in this gourd. But before we put the milk in, we take a stick and we uh, charcoal it, burn it. And we rub the inside of this gourd to make it a good charcoal flavor. Then we put fresh milk in it. Uh, well, that doesn't sound so bad. He said, but then we set it outside in the hot sun for three days. <laughs> and then we drink it. And here, this is yours. And I thought, this is a test. <laughs> now I'm going to pass this test. And so the stuff didn't pour. It kind of plopped. And uh, so I plopped some in a little metal coffee cup he gave me, and I just prayed, and I drank that stuff down. And I thought, you know, it's not so bad. problem was I finished it. If you finish something in Kenya, they think you want more. So, plop, I had to plop another thing in there, and so I left some this time. I never had a problem making rounds in that ward because Arapurono, as soon as uh, I would come in for, for rounds, he'd say, hey, everybody, get in here, get in your beds, I'm, we're passing out the charts, lay down, you know, the doctor's busy, da 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 da, da. he was like a drill sergeant for me. <laughs> um, he stayed there about two weeks after I discharged him, a month later, I found him outside my home that I was staying in, underneath a tree one morning, and uh, he said, this is, uh, this is a gift for you, three eggs, and you guessed it, a fresh gourd of morsic, and... Um, I said, are you here for a clinic visit? Uh, were you come for an appointment? No. Um, where do you live? He said, well, I had to walk all day yesterday and part of the night, so I just slept underneath this tree because they told me you're inside that house there. And um, I said, well, why did you come? He looked at me, well, why did I come? He said, this is why I came, just to give you this. And uh, I thought, wow, that makes just about everything worth it, something like that, an experience like that. Araprono was one of the first people I was able to lead to Christ at Tenwick Hospital. I want the same kind of experience for you. I do. And um, it's possible. Uh, in fact, not only 
is it possible? I really think you should do it. Uh, I heard uh, Ted Lancaster say an amazing statistic yesterday. He said um, one out of three professional healthcare students beyond the graduate in the graduate school level and above in the United States spends some of their time in an international rotation or some kind of international setting. One in three. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know where he got his statistics. I don't want to ask him. But if it's true, I'm glad for that. Um, so you might have a lot of questions. I was uh, about where do you start. I was fortunate. I married into a, a missionary family. Uh, my father-in-law, Dr. Sturry, started Tenwick Hospital, and when my wife and I started talking about getting married and various different things, it just seemed like that's the direction we ended up. Um, so a fourth-year rotation for me as a student was uh, was easy. Just wrote Dad and said, hey, can I come? Yeah, come. Um, and that was it. But for all of you, it's not going to be that easy. You're going to have to put some work into it. You might be overwhelmed. Who's going to help me? I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need people to talk to with experience. Uh, where am I going to find them? If you're in that, who, let, let me just find out who we have here. How many people are um, dental students? We have some dental students. Nobody? Medical students? Most of you. Nursing? Few? Um, pre-med or college students, pharmacy students, uh, physical therapy, okay, uh, people in teaching, professors, anybody? All right, good. Um, five years ago, they gave this talk, and I got a note the next year saying I was a professor, and we went back and started an international rotation for our students in somewhere in Ohio, so that was kind of cool. Today, a guy came up to me today and said, uh, I'm going to Mukingi Hospital in Zambia because I came here last year and felt really challenged. So um, I was thinking, you know, am I going to give this talk again? I've given it six years in a row. I'm getting kind of tired of the same information. It's getting boring to me. And uh, then he, he said that, and I thought, mm, okay, God. And then Tim Elmore gets up and talks and says, we need to be more mentors. And so I'm all fired up. Thank you again. <laughs> Um, I pretty much stay fired up, though, about students, so I, I love all of you, really do. Okay, could I go? Do, yes, you need to. Why? Um, no matter what discipline you, in, you are in, I feel like uh, an international rotation in a cross-cultural setting, um, or at least, if it's not international, but a very cross-cultural setting rotation, different from your culture where you're comfortable, is a really good thing. The advantages to you are incredible. It makes you think in a, a whole new paradigm. It makes you think in a whole new paradigm. I asked a woman who was pretty large, obese, diabetic, neck pain, everything else, you know, knee pain, joint pains, all because she was so overweight. I said, uh, you know, you need to lose weight. She couldn't figure that out. I said, you need, you need to reduce the size that you are, your body. I said, what happens if you own a public service vehicle, a, a Matatu in Kenya, and you overload it? Everything breaks down, the, the, the bearings, the bushings, the shocks, the everything. That's what's happening to your body. I thought, man, you know, I am really incredibly gifted communicating cross-culturally. Didn't work. She looked at me and said, what happens if you are not the size God made you? What happens if you're not the size God made you? 
I thought, that's a whole new world view to me. That's a whole different paradigm shift. And you're going to be forced to think in a different paradigm shift when you're in a cross-cultural situation. God can speak to you in a much deeper way when you're out of your comfort zone. You're in your comfort zone with uh, what Tim Tim Elmore called our appendage attached to us. And, you know, everybody's talking to you at 3 o'clock in the morning. you got to wake up. And my daughter does that. I think, honey, go to sleep. Um, You don't need to answer that text at 3 in the morning. Um, God can speak to you in a much deeper way when you're out of your comfort zone. Um, Somehow, that cleans out our ears and and allows God to really be able to uh, speak to us. So, um, there are a lot of things in uh, school that I only read about. Uh, You may be thinking, you know, I... I'm a pharmacy student, and I know a little bit about uh, quinine, but I've never really had to dispense that to somebody. Uh, you might be a medical student and think, you know, well, the spleen's supposed to be big, but you've never felt a spleen in your life, um, a big one anyway. And uh, this is where you can really learn the value of a good history and physical. I work at a VA hospital in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, part-time, and I tell, I tell you the residents, I said, I'm amazed at how quickly you guys can do a physical. Like, you can just, like, examine everything from right here. You guys don't really examine anybody. And how do you know? You're, you are not developing the skills to know, does this person have a pneumonia or does this person have congestive heart failure? And you're not developing the real skills to say, when I dispense this medicine or when I counsel people about their medicines, um, it's, it's, your skills will be very, very challenged in, a, in an environment uh, like I'm talking about. Uh, 1960, well, I'm not that old, 1995, we had a really severe drought in Kenya. I required all the students that were there, nursing students, medical students, if they were putting an order on a chart or writing something, I'd say you have to put on the chart what difference this test is going to make. All the positives, all the negatives, because you're you're saying this by ordering this complete blood count. I think it's more important for Mr. Anapanono to have a blood count than I'm. I think it's more important to spend his money doing that than for him to spend his money sending his youngest child to school. How many of you have thought about that this last year in your your training or whatever? You don't think like that. In, in this kind of situation. And you don't have to. We should, but we don't. Um, I saw one guy that uh, I thought, boy, this guy's got a bloody tumor in his nose. I don't know what's going on. Um, couldn't figure it out. He's anemic. Hemoglobin of about three. Um, young kid. And I called my father-in-law. I said, what's going on with this guy? He's bleeding from his nose. I can't figure this out. He looked up there and he said, oh, that's a leech. Uh, he's probably, probably swimming in the river and got a leech back in his hypopharynx. This one's small. If you look in the back of his hypopharynx, it's, it's probably going to be a, a bigger leech back there. And sure enough, uh, he was right. Um, I don't remember talking about the differential diagnosis of anemia as a student, as a leech uh, in the back of somebody's nose. But um, I saw several of them in Africa. Um, Okay, what do you need to do? Uh, somebody came up to me uh, today. He's a third-year medical student. And he said, uh, um, 
I was at your talk last year. I really want to go overseas. He's a third-year medical student. I said, have you started? He said, no, I really need to start. He said, yeah, yeah, I know. You told us to get started early, and I haven't started yet. Okay, I'm really going to start. I'm telling you, you got to start early. The best spots fill up quickly. Um, and if you don't start early, um, you're going to run behind. You're going to run behind in the application process. You're going to run behind on scholarship process. Um, do you know there's an organization that will pay your, your, uh, your travel fare overseas? But do you know when you have to have that done by? You have to have the application in by March, not for that year, but, for example, if you're a third-year student somewhere in pharmacy, nursing, and you're going in your fourth year, um, you have to apply and get that in in your third year by March in order to get the scholarship for your fourth year. I would say at least 50% of students I know of that apply for that are too late. Um, sorry. Um, so you got to start early. How long, um, how long should you plan for? I like to tell people, man, it takes you about uh, 10 days to get over jet lag if you're going east and west. If you go about six hours or more jet lag, it takes you about 10 days to really get over jet lag. And then you start getting used to the place. It takes you about another 10 days, two weeks to feel like you're being useful and you learn how to spell malaria and a few things like that. And you learn what the drugs are. The drugs may be a little different name. Um, and if you're only there a month, you have to go. So I really, really highly suggest uh, eight weeks uh, as a student. Um, other questions that come up, uh, if I'm married, should I take my spouse? Absolutely. This is a critical time of spiritual formation in your life. And uh, if you're married, share it with your spouse. Um, if you have kids, yeah, take them. Don't do, though, like one family did. Uh, we didn't know they had kids. They showed up with four of them. Um, so, you know, we managed, but um, it's better not to do it like that. Okay. Um, 12 to 18 months before you really think you can go overseas is when you need to start preparing for this, okay? Um, you need to start early. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, for medical students, dental students, pharmacy students, that means you're going to have to start planning, gathering information near the end of your second year or beginning part of your, your third year. Don't, don't wait, okay? You know what? It's kind of like... Getting started is the hardest part. It's it, it's kind of like um, maybe some neurologic diseases where you know you're leaning and you just can't get that foot out, and all of a sudden you you get it out and uh, you step forward. That's almost I think the hardest part is that very first step. Where does it need to be? Um, I tell people this every year, and it seems rather simple. When you fill out your evaluation form, you think, man, he told us to go talk to our dean. That seems like it's kind of a very simplistic. You put on there very poor. That's okay. Because you know what? About, about 50% of you won't start there, and about 20% of you will come after you've made all the plans and everything else. Your dean's going to say, you can't do this. Okay? So start with your academic affairs uh, office. Um, you need your dean's approval if, it's, if you're going get to get credit for it. It's amazing to me how many people uh, just don't start there. Um, so that's why I keep it in here. Um, 
start with some very broad questions. How do you start narrowing something down? Do you have a specific area of the world that you're interested in? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in the Far East. Well, you don't need to look in Africa then or South America and look at all the options. Um, Tim Elmore said, you know, we, we are overburdened with options today. You know, every, every option is out there. And we can find, we can hook our cell phone up and, man, you can type it in there and find all the places, all the options in a heartbeat. Well, that overwhelms you. So start with some things that say, you know, what, where an area of the world am I interested in? Is there an area of the world, a group of people, a religious group? Um, maybe you're already thinking about a long-term ministry in some area. That's a good place to start then. Go to that area and see how God speaks to you. Um, if you're thinking about long-term missions in some way, I do not know a single healthcare missionary that's gone as a full-time missionary in the last probably 20 years that did not first go out as a student uh, sometime during their training, sometime post-training on a short-term basis or whatever. Um, it, it just doesn't happen like that anymore. Um, be it good or bad, that's the way it is. And so this is a good way for you to check things out and let God uh, let God speak to you. Um, if you um, if you feel like God is uh, directing you with a certain group, start asking some questions. Don't don't be shy. Don't don't just kind of sit back and let things happen. Really really be aggressive, man. When I was on the when I was on the field. I loved when a student who was coming was communicating with me. My wife was in charge of all the visiting staff and students. And we absolutely loved it when we would get a letter from somebody that says, I'm coming in six weeks. What do you think I should do between now and then? Man, I would think, I cannot wait to meet this person. I'm going to spend some extra time with them in night call just because they sent that letter. So when you do something like that, um, someone's going to take some more interest in you. Okay. There's a lot of different uh, things that you can uh, go to. You can do uh, like a big hospital. Uh, there's a lot of small clinics now that are taking uh, people in various different positions. Uh, university programs are available. Uh, community public health programs. Um, it's not... You don't always just have to think of going to a, uh, a mission hospital. Um, you can also ask yourself, do I want a broad experience in healthcare? Do I want to, uh, you know, to see all of what happens with adults and peds and nursing and pharmacy? Or are you thinking more of a specific uh, illness uh, like HIV AIDS, uh, tuberculosis, river blindness? There are some things like that um, where you can um, get some experience. Okay, most people will end up at a traditional mission hospital, and that's fine. That's great. Uh, the good places, the well-known places, like I said, are going to fill up quickly. Um, but don't forget about other places. Government hospitals and projects are really good places to get experience. There's a lot of good, strong Christian people in places like that you can work with. Development and aid agencies um, also have a lot of good experience for you, um, but uh, most of you will probably end up, at least in your training early on, um, traditional mission hospitals or in a place similar to that. 
Let me just give you a, an example. There's a, a group in China in a place called Shenyang that uh, you can go and be part of a medical school in the morning. In the afternoon, you can be part of a rural health development uh, project. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things that you can um, be involved in. Okay, where are you going to look? Um, on the Christian Medical and Dental Association website, there's a directory of uh, international and national preceptor sites. Uh, we've just um, put it out in a format, a, a book format, so you can get it on your Kindle or your iPod or iTouch or mini iTouch mini iPod. Um, and uh, it's really nice. You can just kind of flip through it um, on a book format. You can download it off of our website. Uh, local CMDA chapter may have um, some exam some places that people have gone to. Uh, talk to people. Um, International Christian Medical and Dental Association has a very large listing on their website of, uh, of places. Um, most schools in your academic dean's office will have a list of where have people gone in the past. They may even have some really good suggestions for you that would be really difficult for you to learn about otherwise. Um, talk to your pastor, priest, the missions committee at your church. Um, missionsfinder.com has a very large listing. Um, Ty, you have any other suggestions of places to find information? No, but I'd love it if they come spend a month or two with me. Yeah, I'd love it too. Um, when we have time at the end, I'm going to have Ty introduce himself, and you'll get some real hands-on, experiential thing, one-on-one uh, with Ty. He'll, we'll uh, introduce him in a second. Okay. I've been on the receiving end of the application process, and, you know, you get a six-page, seven-page letter. Um, you, you don't want to do that. One page, short to the point, I'm so-and-so, I'm interested in this. Um, and especially your Christian testimony. Do not tell someone, you know, well, my dad and mom were raised uh, so-and-so religion, and I'm, we did this, and at age two and a half I did this, and went through catechism and, you know, something or other. I want to know what's your relationship with Jesus Christ today. What's happening today between you and Jesus Christ that uh, makes you want to do this? Um, especially if you're at a place like I was, where you got a lot of applicants, you had to sort it out. And you say, you know, this guy sounds serious. Um, and it was all based upon what is happening in this person's life today spiritually. So tell somebody about that, okay? I think that's the most important part of your introductory letter. Um, you need to make a spreadsheet because there's going to be immunization, immunization requirements, deadlines for that, scholarship uh, applications, requirements for that. I think the best way to do that is to make a spreadsheet, keep a deadline of all the things you need to do. Otherwise, you're going to end up missing out on the 1500 bucks that you can get from MAP Fellows uh, for your speaking of which. Um, it's going to take you probably 1500 to $3,000 for a two-month stay plus your international airfare travel. That all depends on where you're going. Some places you have to pay a little bit to stay there. Some places you don't. But it's not cheap. Um, no matter where you go, it's not cheap, but that's pretty much what you can uh, what you can expect. Um, and early on, you need to start thinking about you know the resources for that. Um, where you got to have the most successful people start early. They 
talk with their church or they talk with somebody that's able to set up a tax-deductible account that people can send money to. That's not a hard thing to do. It's pretty easy. Um, and uh, you just find somewhere where people can send in money. Most of you have raised money, I'm sure, for mission trips in the past. But this is, most of you would have done that in a group setting. This you're going to be doing more individual. So you as an individual need to talk to somebody and get a tax-deductible account uh, set up. Your letter, as far as fundraising, should be brief. Why you're going, what you hope to accomplish, and clearly state your financial needs and how to give. I get a lot of requests from what I do from students. And it just is amazing to me, you know, they'll talk around and around and around something and never really clear, clearly say, Dr. Tolan, I need X amount of dollars, and if you're so inclined to give, you can give it by doing this. And tell me. You know, I don't want to have to make a phone call and, hey, Joe, you sent me this letter, but you didn't really tell me what you need, how much do you need, um, and where do I send it. You know, make sure that all that's in there. Sounds elementary, but uh, a lot of people do leave that out. Okay, sources, um, talked a little bit about that. Scholarships, Christian Medical and Dental Association does provide some partial scholarships for students um, and residents. The, uh, the residents right now is limited to, uh, to medical residents, um, medical surgical. Uh, students, we keep a little bit more free with those funds. Um, MAP International also provides scholarships for qualified applicants through the MAP Fellows Program. Uh, and again, this is normally for the cost of airfare. Uh, I was just on their website this morning trying to look to see if this is limited to medical and dental students, and it's not clear to me. Um, does anybody know about that? Um, so it wasn't clear to me. Um, but do some nurses' fellowship, other places, Christian Pharmacy International. There are some scholarship funds that are available uh, for students. And then my, uh, my son told me, he said, I'm going to the Office of International Studies. He spent six months in Sierra Leone. He said, I'm going to, going to go and ask them for some money. Secular, secular university. <laughs> well, good luck. Um, he came back that afternoon with 3000 bucks. Um, I don't so I hurried and put this on here. You know, <laughs> check with your Office of International Studies if you're at a big secular university. Um, since I've been putting that on there, I've gotten feedback from several people that said, "Hey, I got 500 bucks." Um, you know, I've heard too many people they got 3,000. Uh, maybe if you stay six months, you get more. I don't know. Um, but that's another another place, another option for you. Okay, I'll spend a little bit of time on talking about preparing your own self, okay? I'm a big believer that you're putting yourself in a place where God can really speak to you. He can really speak to you. Um, and how do you prepare yourself? Man, there's, I don't think there's anything better than the beginning. Don't write your first entry in your journal on the day you're getting on the airplane. Get a little piece in a journal and you know, into that pocket. Um, I, I think I want to learn which 
give a stethoscope, I really should use. Um, you're going to have to use a stethoscope. You're going to have to put your hands on people. And you're going to have to make decisions about treatment, medicines, uh, all kinds of things without the tools that you have here. And it's fun, it's exciting. I think it uh, really was meant to be. Um, but begin to journal early on in that process. Lessons learned. What are the lessons I'm learning about myself that God's teaching me in this process? Early on, find an accountability partner specific to this. Okay? Maybe some of you have an accountability partner that you meet with, pray with. Um, either set it up that person else who can be an accountability partner to you and keep you focused. One of the reasons I haven't gotten started is I just, I got back to school and I kind of lost my focus. Um, I didn't find uh, any remember I said, you know, find an accountability partner. Um, build a team of those who will pray for you. You don't need a large team. Five people. I can tell you right now, between the hours of 1.30 and 2.30, an 89-year-old mother and an 86-year-old dad that are sitting on their couch in Marion, Indiana, praying for me. No, they're praying for you right now. And they're praying for me. Um, Wednesday night, I spoke uh, in Johnson City, Tennessee at 9.30, almost 10 o'clock at night. Mom and dad's way past their bedtime. I was going home at 12.30 at midnight. Mom calls me up and says, we just finished praying. How'd things go? Um, you need to have a prayer team. Man, I don't know where I would be today without prayers like that. So you need to have a prayer team. Begin to build that team. Um, communicate with this team. For several months, I told him, you know what? I don't want to talk about this today. How scared I am that I'm going to blow up. It's supposed to be a tool and a channel for God, and I am so scared that I'm going to blow up. And you know what? He was handing me said, You we've heard you several times. That was the most down to earth you felt you have been when you really shared your fears. Um, and they said, we can really identify with you. Um, so communicate with this team. Share your fears, share your heart, and then read. Um, let me say a little bit more about that. Um, the World Health Organization has a nice country profile for every country in the world. I'll tell you about the important uh, health statistics for a country. Uh, birth rate, life expectancy, the importance. Uh, a little, little summary on the economy. One to two pages. Um, I didn't know about this until about uh, six or seven years ago. Um, it is a great, great thing, resource for you. You can, you can read about uh, um, any country, and uh, they will have a little health summary on there. It's extremely helpful. Um, Operation World. Listings with uh, spirit, prayer, uh, page on any kind on their website. 
do recommend one, one biography of Mal. Is Miracle at Tenwick. Um, yeah, I know it's about my father, but uh, still, a good, still a good book. I would recommend um, at least one biography of what they faced. guy's leg who's now one of my best friends anywhere in the world just at my house last weekend uh, from Canada. Um, I took him up to the city very first time and, you know, trying to explain to him, you know,
That'll blow most people away in that country. You know why? Because most people that have walked into that country, expatriates, have never shown that interest. When we arrived, yes. Where does where do you live? And he said, just just there. Uh, well, I learned that just there meant 15 miles. Um, but uh, we walked just there, and I got really really tired, and I ran most of the way, and Richard just seemed to be walking, and I got there so tired and sweaty, and then he gave me hot tea, um, and I got more sweaty and more tired in the way back. Um, Last year I was in Richard's uh, home, and he said, um, you remember when we went to my mother's house and you treated one of my cows um, because that was my cow for the dowry price for my bride? And uh, he said um, he brought up uh, his four kids from his bride and uh, introduced them to me. And I thought, you know, this is such a great life. God just does amazing, amazing things. But spend time with nationals in the place that they're most comfortable. Downtime. Um, when I was a student, I went to Kenya. I was going to be there three and a half months. I thought, man, I can work every day, all day. Three and a half months. Uh, my father-in-law said, Daniel, you're going to need to take a day off. I said, no, Dad, you know, it's three and a half months. I, you know, I don't need that. Um, Two weeks into it, I went to Dad, and I said, Dad, I am dragging my tail, and I need a day off. He said, yeah, I can tell, um, and he said, take a day off. Um, schedule some, you some downtime. You have to do that, or you're going to burn out, okay, even if you're there two months. You've got to schedule some downtime. Make sure that that downtime away from medicine includes uh, devotions, prayer, um, seeking who Jesus is. Post-trip, make sure you debrief with people. Um, stay in touch with the organization. Debrief with that mentor that you established early on. I think that's very important. And then um, stay in touch with the organization or the group you work with. I've got a few people that uh, students that we have, um, that we taught way back in the late 80s, all through the 90s, and up through 2003 uh, when we were overseas. Um, I've got, so, I've got a uh, couple dozen people that we still keep up with uh, because we just kind of established a neat relationship when they were students of one sort or another. Um, and it's fun. I love Facebook for that reason nowadays. Stay in touch with people. Okay. Questions you have. Yes? What if what? is not supportive. Uh, if you can't get academic credit, then I would uh, I would write up a proposal, and I would say I'd write I'd write a little two-page thing that says this is what I want to do, this is why, this is who I'm going to be with. Because usually it's a matter of they don't know what's available. They're thinking you're going to go out in some you know little mud hut somewhere um, and sit there doing nothing. So if you if you write up a little proposal, say this, these are the people that are going to be there. Um, this is the instruction I'm going to receive. This is the reason I want to do this and how it's going to benefit me. That's going to be very hard to turn down. 
if they do turn it down, then I would just go on your vacation time. I should be able to. There we go. From current slide. Does that work? Is that the one? Tell me when. Right there? Okay. I can email this to you if, if you want to also. In the back. Who is my father-in-law? Um, Dr. Ernie uh, Sturry. Um, some of you would know him. Greatest majority would not. But he spent 40 years as a missionary doctor surgeon in Africa.